Pastor Harvey Burnett of New Bethel Ministries, welcoming you to another Dunamis Word broadcast. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes as we deliver a powerful word from the Lord. Call somebody and tell them we're on the air, and I believe your blessing is coming to you today. This complete program can be found at www.bethelburnett.blogspot.com under the post Christmas 2009 Thoughts on the Divinity of Jesus. You know how to get there. www.bethelburnett, that's all one word, B E T H E L B U R N E T T dot blogspot, B L O G S P O T dot com. There you can log on to that blog and you can add your comments, questions, or just uh, conversate uh, about the divinity of Jesus or any of the material that we've discussed in this particular segment. Also, for those of you who like to reach us, uh, you know, with your prayer requests or any ministry inquiries, you can email us at, w- at dunamis1, that's D-U-N-A-M-I-S, the number one, at net zero, N-E-T-Z-E-R-O, spell that out now, N-E-T-Z-E-R-O dot com. Uh, and you can receive uh, any particular ministry information that you would like and or need. Uh, for those of you who are considering uh, year-end ministry contributions, this word, the Dunamis Word and New Bethel Ministries is a very ripe and fertile ground. We're doing our best to meet, reach men and women everywhere with the uh, ministry of the gospel of Jesus and serving individuals both in our neighborhood, our community, and as far as we can uh, with uh, the resource that God has given us. So if you would like to uh, discuss uh, a year-end contribution, uh, you can send us an email for that, or you can just send that contribution to P.O. Box 6167, Peoria, Illinois, 61601. That's P.O. Box 6167, 
Peoria, Illinois, 61601. You can make that out to New Bethel Ministries. So once again, thank you for your consideration. Any gifts and uh, will certainly go a long way to helping keeping this broadcast coming to you on uh, whatever venue that you're currently listening to it on. Real quickly, as we enter into the word portion of our study, um, we were in the middle of section five. We're talking about the inclusios uh, that were uh, encapsulated in the word of God. We uh, discovered that an inclusio was like I uh, presented uh, like two thumbtacks, one at the beginning of a thought and one at the end of the thought. And those things are brought together to make a complete thought. In fact, we find one inclusio in Luke 135 and also in Luke 22, 69 and 70, where we see that uh, Gabriel promises Mary that um, that the child is going to be born of her is going to be the son of God. And then in Luke 22, 6, we see Jesus answering Caiaphas that he is the son of God uh, and pointing to the messianic figure of Daniel, uh, uh, letting them know that uh, uh, that he is also going to judge Caiaphas. So uh, the only judge uh, of Israel or any of the people is God himself. So this whole figure, this whole um, narrative is about uh, a ceiling that Jesus is deity, that Jesus is the son of God and that he shares the nature of the place, the position, and the authority of God. Another such uh, inclusio was found in the temptation. You remember when uh, the devil tempted Jesus to fall down and worship him in Matthew chapter 4. Uh, later in Matthew chapter 28, uh, Jesus shows up and he says, uh, and, and the devil you know, tells Jesus, said, listen, I'll give you all this power if you fall down and worship me. I'll give you all the honor and the glory of, of the world if you fall down and worship me. And then later in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus uh, shows up uh, and he says listen behold all power is given unto me uh, in, in heaven and in earth and, and I want you to understand that he already had that power uh, but it was time for that power to be revealed uh, and, and, and revealed in a way uh, such that he had received that power without worship or honor of the devil or the devil's system in any way so this was an inclusio and this is what inclusios do they encapsulate a story a, a full orb thought that um, uh, Jesus is who he said he is and these things are prevalent throughout the Gospels this was one technique or one uh, little um, uh, caveat of the Gospels and that the, the gospel writers often did so those inclusios that indicate his power his authority uh, his divinity are all throughout the Gospels and listen every inclusio was written to not simply reveal the humanity of Jesus, but also to reveal the divine nature, the capacity, and the power of Jesus. And that's exactly what everyone concluded. They concluded in a declaration of the nature of God and of the power of God, and that related to the person of Jesus himself. Then, even further, there were declarations, demonstrations, and doxologies uh, within the scriptures themselves, within the gospel narratives. There are all kinds of declarations that we find in the New Testament text. Um, you remember uh, the, the Lord asked uh, the disciples, whom do men say that I am? In Mark, uh, Mark chapter 8, Matthew 16, Luke chapter 9, the response of Peter was what? Thou art the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Remember that Jesus greeted uh, these declarations uh, enthusiastically because 
he understood that they were not mere human assessments or human ideologies or deductive reasonings about his character or who he was. Uh, these declarations were made by the revelation of God, as Jesus explained to Peter in every instance. The significance and the mystery was that um, it was not also devoid of human insight. Uh, however, human insight wasn't the foundational principle upon which these assessments were made. To know that Jesus is not only the Messiah uh, or Christ but also the son of the living God sharing the same nature the essence of the father is a revelation of God spiritually and not just cognitive cognitively or something that you know with your head there is no simple cognitive recognition or acknowledgement that will suffice when it comes to knowing Jesus however knowing Jesus doesn't come without a cognitive recognition of him in philosophical circles this is called uh, epistemology or how you know information or how you know anything and, and this is a subject that we'll talk more about uh, uh, a little bit more in depth in another broadcast but um, uh, but cognitive acknowledgement of Jesus is is on, is only part of it this thing must be revealed in the spirit realm of, of of an individual and there is enough information enough clues to get you there uh, so that uh, you can have that revelation and have that full uh, understanding both naturally and spiritually in addition uh, look further at the scripture. John 1 is has a full declaration of the divinity of Jesus and also his mission. This narrative contrasts the then popular pagan idea of created multiple gods and cross creation to the scriptural idea of one God who creates all things, is above all others, uh, and is above all other things that are called God and dwells among humanity to save humanity from his sins. The inclusio of John here begins with the declaration that Jesus is God uh, above all and concludes at the end of John's gospel when Thomas who also happens to be one of the biggest uh, critics and skeptics of the New Testament disciples uh, uh, declares that Jesus to be his Lord and his God in John 20 and 28 and notice the flow of that discovery it goes from a God who is over everything to a God who is also personal to an individual he is my Lord and my God this is how Thomas thought of him now look at Thomas just for a second take him in the context of being a Jew that he is what makes a religious Jew certainly a Jesus doubter such as he was change his assessment so dramatically that he's willing to hold on to the profession until death remember his statement are the statements of a Jew and especially a doubter such as Thomas who would have never claimed uh, Jesus to be his Lord and his God unless he had received convincing and overwhelming evidence as a matter of fact he knew just like every other religious Jew of the day that um, uh, the penalty for what he was declaring if he was wrong would be death and hell this point can't be overstated and we find the exact same thing uh, about the Apostle Paul and that was the power of his testimony. In all of these cases throughout scripture these declarations are always followed or preceded by miraculous demonstrations. They're usually dramatic demonstrations of statements made by Jesus to elicit special attention or to provide special proofs. In other words, Jesus puts his money where his mouth is. That's what he does. He proves what others believe about him. That's the God that we serve. 
plan He is not just a man He is not And he is not just a baby has control over things such as elements that are certainly beyond human control. He has control over food and how food is divided and dispersed uh, and, uh, and his supply is unlimited. He has control and exercise over sickness, over pain, over death, everything. Jesus uh, demonstrates his ability to perform and his ability uh, over uh, 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 things that men could not otherwise control and he does this at the drop of a dime uh, the Lord does miracles that only God to, can perform uh, uh, the next thing Jesus he remits sins that only God could remit uh, Jews understood that only God had the power and the authority to remit sins and they often questioned Jesus such as Mark uh, 2 and 10 uh, and Jesus when he performed the miracle he looked at him and he said he said I'm doing this that you may know that the son of man hath power on earth to forgive sins this was his duty and his job and what the pharisees looked at they they were in unbelief they couldn't believe he has the power to remit sins or at least he's claiming that power among people uh the third thing is that jesus established order that only god had the right to establish jesus demonstrated his power over the sabbath he demonstrated his power over the councils he demonstrated his power over the church or the group uh, that he would call out he would set those things in order he would leave uh, apostolic authority of figures uh, in, in order to establish and formulate this group that he was calling there's another criticism that says he didn't establish a church yes 
he did establish a church. Uh, the Lord established, Jesus established a church through his blood, through his death, burial, and resurrection. He called out those uh, from among the world. The fourth thing is, is that uh, Jesus received worship that only uh, was allowed uh, to be received by God. The word worship in the Greek is a word called prosikneo, uh, which was a word uh, that uh, needs to be defined within context. Now, the critic asserts, well, this word only meant to greet or to honor. And that's one usage of the word, greet and honor. But let me ask this. Uh, if you saw a man walking on the water and that man told you or somebody else uh, to come out and walk on the water too. And then when you began to sink, he standing on the water reaches down and saves you and pulls you up out of the water as if he's standing on concrete. What do you think about that person? Uh, let, let's say the same uh, man, the same person, uh, consistently healed people. Uh, consistently healed people of sickness, diseases, fed thousands. Uh, and in one cases, even with a child's lunch, fed thousands of people uh, do you think that he is to be just simply honored no he, he's not a magician no these are not the acts of God uh, these are not the acts of a mere mortal or a mere man and these were the points of the miracles that the Lord was there taking care of the needs of the people in every instance uh, the people began to worship Jesus not just honor him but they worshiped him as God and Jesus never did deny or reject any of the worship that the people gave and now he understood this just as I said before about Paul and about Thomas uh, they knew the Hebrew Shema Deuteronomy 6 and 4 uh, uh, Shema O uh, Israel Edonai Eloheinu uh, Hero Israel the Lord our God is one Lord they knew that Jesus uh, knew this scripture they knew the first commandment have no other gods before me uh, but they worshiped Jesus and in response to the acts that he did among men and Jesus accepted that worship if he was not God he did deserve death on the spot and they deserve to die for worship him but this did not happen uh listen what we find the sixth thing is that jesus revealed knowledge that only he could have known he knew who nathaniel was uh, before uh, nathaniel even met him in john 1 and 48 he knew the source of peter's confession in uh, matthew 16 and 17 he knew the problem with the woman at the well uh in, in john uh, 4 and 29 uh and he knew the con the condition of the men along with the the reason for the power of God in John uh, 9 and 3. Listen, another thing that Jesus did was he used divine titles for himself. One of those titles that no one else called him but himself was the Son of Man. Uh, which he consistently used within scripture. John consistently used the term translated into the Greek called begotten, which is a term called monogenes, uh, uh, which is the sole representative or the being or the character of God. Now this word also carries a connotation of limitless, limitless time restraint and uh, as it pertains uh, to Jesus making him the son of God eternally as supposing to have come into existence at some point in time. That's why we don't agree with the Jesus only who says that Jesus uh, became the son of God at a certain time. He he's the son of God in the uh, uh, in redemption. He's the father in creation, the son of God in redemption and the Holy Ghost in the church. No, sir. He is the son of God eternally. He hasn't stopped or ceased from being the son of God. He has always been and always will be the son of God. Uh, in other words, the biblical understanding was that Jesus uh, was revealed in time, not created in time, neither changed from one entity 
identity to another one. He is always the son and always will be the son of God. Then there are all kinds of doxologies that show up through scripture. In Jude 125, we see one, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. First Timothy 1 and 17, now unto the eternal king, immortal, invisible, to the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. What is doxology? A doxology is a praise, it's an honor, it's a glory uh, uh, when you give uh, awesome wonder to God. Now, once again, if Jesus is not God, uh, the scripture is yet replete with praise, honor, and worship to him. My God, this is uh, uh, prevalent in the scripture. This is well before uh, 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 325 AD or any um, uh, council that could uh, uh, make Jesus deity. No, he was deity already because the scripture outlined that he was deity. In Revelations 1 and 16, uh, the scripture says, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him be glory and dominion uh, forever and ever. Uh, in their book, um, the Putting Jesus in His Place, The Case for the Deity of Christ, Robert Bowman and uh, Dr. Ed Komozaweski uh, make a little uh, acronym uh, that really kind of helps you to remember how to best uh, communicate the deity of Jesus. And in this book, they take the acronym called, and they use the word called HANDS and create an acronym. Uh, and I'll go through what that says. Uh, H stands for the honors. Jesus received the honors that were only due to God. So that's one uh, particular form. Uh, the second thing was the attributes. Jesus had the attributes of God and uh, he moved in those attributes among men and mankind. The third uh, element was the names or the in where Jesus had the names of God and um, he was called by the, those names and even referred to himself uh, by those names. Before Abraham was I am a direct reflection uh, to Exodus chapter 3 when God's spoke on the mountain to Moses saying I am uh, uh, everyone knew exactly what that was talking about the deeds of God Jesus had the deeds he did the works that only God can do as I outlined here on this particular program and uh, more importantly even the seat of God Jesus sat in the seat that only God can sit in don't think that Jesus sat in a throne that was secondary to God or, or when you look at the right hand power or the right hand of God and think that that's a different seat. No, Jesus sits in the one seat, the seat that is God's, and he sits there as God, doing what God does. That's judging the world because he is God. Oh my God, have mercy. And so this, this is what we find prevalent throughout the scripture. This was before 325 AD. There was no council that was making Jesus deity. All of these things and uh, don't pan out when you uh, uh, put them under the weight and the scrutiny of scripture. Uh, Jesus is God uh, because the scriptures uh, point him out and say that he is God. He came to in the volume of the book. He came by prophetic utterance. Remember what uh, was, was said about Jesus that uh, uh, that uh, Moses said that a prophet would be raised up from among the brethren uh, that, that they would hear. Uh, yes, that's who Jesus is. And, and so you left these things one on top of the other and you have a overwhelming uh, uh, case that Jesus was deity and uh, 
If he wasn't, my lord, what type of a thing is this? We're faced with some, some very terrible questions. Uh, if he wasn't, but we know that the scripture has said that he is. And, and the critic is yet dumbfounded and confounded at trying to figure out uh, uh, this whole thing. Well, we've got one more section left, and we've got to go over that uh, at some point here. And we will do that in our next broadcast. Uh, and, but thank God for you today. Thank you for sharing this very special time with us. We pray that this Christmas season is a blessed one for you and that your family is just blessed all the way. Thank you so much for sharing. God bless you, my friend. Until next broadcast, you just go in the joy of the Lord. You know that God is on your side. All right.